welcome to the Patelli Like It Is podcast. This is Matthew Patelli. And today I want to talk about two topics. I want to talk about religious fundamentalism, and particularly Islamism, and how that relates to right-wing politics and gun culture in America. Let's start off with um, the latter. Let's let's dive into the, the gun issue here in, in the United States. I bring this up because of the uh, the Texas church shooting that happened the other day that I guess they they streamed their their services live on YouTube so the whole shooting was was aired right there on YouTube and this man named Jack Wilson um, was the hero that stopped the the shooter from only being able to fire two shots and he, you know, Jack pulled out his gun and ended it pretty swiftly. It only lasted, I think, like six seconds or something like that. So uh, good thing he was there and good thing he was able to uh, stay composed and do what he did in such a fast time. But I do see a lot of people, and particularly a lot of gun advocates, and right-wingers talking about how, you know, they're using this as like a, a PR moment for good guys with guns, you know, stopping bad guys with guns. One, it's it's an anecdote. It's one instance. This generally does not happen. Two, I don't think, you know, anyone, anyone with any kind of, uh, in, in any positions of power, government-wise, or anyone who has you know, any kind of authority is calling for, you know, people to, uh, armed, armed guards or people who are properly trained or police to be unarmed. No one's calling for that. This man was a volunteer member of the security team at the church. He's a firearms instructor, a gun range owner, and a former reserve deputy with the local sheriff's department in Texas there where he lives. So, the man was properly trained, right? He went through rigorous training um, with firearms and how to uh, stay composed in high-stress situations where potentially your life is on the line. And, you know, no one's arguing against someone like him having a gun and a concealed carry permit, as it's actually the contrary, like rational people and what most people are actually calling for nowadays, but our our Congress, our Senate in particular, doesn't seem to be working for us, are, are calling for things like this man, uh, you know, is a symbol of. We're calling for stricter gun laws. So people like him potentially are the only ones getting the guns and having the guns, right? So we need... We need just mandatory background checks. We need psych evaluations. We need um, in-person um, training, however many hours you want to make that. But there needs to be a mandatory training that you need to go through in order to how, how you should store your gun, you know, firing the gun, cleaning the gun, everything. That should be man- mandatory. I mean, we have to go through driving tests to get your license. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of, um, 
made a lot of headway in how we store the guns in, in our homes. You know, over the years, um, there's not a lot of data on gun violence, in particular, like accidental shootings, because the CDC um, isn't funded properly um, in order to get these statistics. And that has to do with a, um, a law that was passed by Congress in 1996, I believe, by a Republican-controlled Congress called the Dickey Amendment, which stipulated that money appropriated to the CDC could not be used to advocate or promote gun control. So obviously, you know, it's made it hard for the CDC to throw funds at gathering data and statistics and to give us a clearer picture on gun violence in our country. But nevertheless, you know, the the data we do have has um, shown that, you know, accidental deaths have dropped um, since the last set of data we had, which was in 1999, and the most recent is in 2015. But, you know, back to the 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 shooting and, and Jack and, you know, no one, again, is arguing. It's actually a, an argument the other way. People think that gun advocates and people on the right are thinking that this is like proof that, you know, what they say is is what happens and this is accurate. And look, this is proof that, you know, you, you need more guns so you can stop the shooters dead in, in their tracks. But it's actually the opposite. You know, we don't, people who are on the other side who want, you know, common sense gun reform and common sense regulations passed, you know, we're not calling for people like Jack to be unarmed. Jack can be armed, right? He, he can pull out his gun and do what he did. You know, we're, we're calling for the, the, the stricter gun regulations that wouldn't pertain to Jack, you know, he would still get his gun. And if you were doing what Jack did and you were properly trained and you passed all the tests and the psych eval and, you know, the, there definitely needs to be a longer mandatory waiting period. And th- these, these laws need to be nationwide. Um, we can't leave these up to the states, uh, you know, because certain states are just going to run wild with it, like Texas, you know, where you can open carry pretty much you know, everywhere. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's just, it's not, we, we have to all be able to agree that this is not the future we want to be crafting where, you know, half the patrons of whichever establishment are armed and you need to be armed when you do everyday things like go to the movies or school or work or church that is dystopian, extremely. We need to be moving away from that. We need to be understanding that, you know, concealed carrying is very situational and it it pertains to the person who should be, you know, past stringent testing and background checks and have all the credentials and training that they need and should have in order to to have a concealed carry. You know, we, we shouldn't be building a future where, 
you're at church or you're at a movies and you feel you need a gun on your side because you're not sure if someone's going to shoot the place up. That is not a society that we want to be living in. And it's not a sign of a healthy society, not in the slightest. And I'm not someone who's completely against gun ownership. I think it's perfectly fine um, to own a gun and have, you know, a gun in the house for home protection. Again, you know, granted, we put certain measures in place to um, make sure that responsible people are the only ones getting these guns. And, you know, I'm not against concealed carry, neither. Um, Again, as long as it's, you know, responsible common sense gun laws that make sure that, you know, only certain people are the ones carrying these guns. And that really has to do with the fact that, you know, the cat's out of the bag. There's more than, like, one gun per person in the entire United States. So, I mean, this is a problem that is just, from a pragmatic standpoint, is very, very difficult to solve. And then you have the the fact that the, the culture around guns and the, the, the fetishization of, of the guns is a huge problem. I think a lot of Americans feel as though they, that their gun, they reach to their gun to solve a problem. Um... They want to take the law into their own hands. Some people think they're the Jason Bourne and they're the action hero saving everyone's life when in actuality that's that's not the case. And, you know, you have a lot of the gun ownership. is, is It really is concentrated. So you have, you know, one household owning multiple guns. And it, it's it's a tough problem to try to, to kick, to try to fix, because so many of the, of the Second Amendment, you know, cultists, you can't argue with these people. They think that they need their AR-15 to, you know, stop a tyrannical government. And, you know, in the next breath, these are the same people that go on and on about how great America is, and it's the greatest country in the world when a few seconds earlier they were just talking about how their government can become tyrannical at any moment and kill their citizens or imprison them. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the greatest country in the world, but at any moment the government may become tyrannical. That's not the greatest country in the world. <laughs> if at any moment the government's going to become tyrannical and in you know imprison or kill or enslave its people, that is not a good or great country. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, I'm not one of those, you know, gun control nuts who thinks that, you know, we should confiscate guns and, you know, we're going to solve this problem overnight. We're not. It's, it's something that, that uh, needs to be changed. The culture needs to change about how we think about guns, about how we use guns. And it's something that's going to take generations. And now I know, you know, people on the right listening are going to be up in arms saying, you know, the, the, the shooter in the Texas church was, he had a criminal history, he had a criminal background, and you can't stop criminals from getting guns and blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, part of that is true. You you can't stop criminals from getting guns because it's so easy to get guns in this country because there's more than one gun per person in this country because we have a culture that fetishizes the use of firearms. Um, that is part of the problem. It's the main crux of the problem. That's why I, I say it's going to take generations to change. And I don't think any one person has the solution uh, to this issue. I, I mean, I know, I know I don't. I know there's certain things I would like to see change, common sense reform, common sense laws be put into practice like yesterday. But, you know, the, again, that's not going to solve it overnight. Just because you have a law, you know, outlawing murder doesn't mean people automatically stop committing murder. Um, it, their deterrence, you know, laws, they, they deter people from doing things um, and committing these, these crimes. And they definitely help, for sure. Um, but it's not, it's not a, a fix-all problem that if we pass certain regulations and certain laws that all of a sudden all this gun violence is going to go away, and in particularly the mass shootings. It won't. But one thing I do know is that, you know, the, the talking points coming from the, the, the gun fetish people on the right about how, you know, more people need to be strapped and more guns is going to bring us more safety, that is just not, it's not true. It makes no sense, one. And two, I know it, it can't be the future we want to be crafting as a society that our children and grandchildren are going to be inheriting where one where, you know, a third of the population or a half of the population is walking around strapped because they're in fear for their life. That's a terrible way to live. And, you know, and then you have the people who just, you know, in open open carry states who do it to, you know, own the libs, so to speak. They, they just want to open carry to get a reaction. And, you know, those people are the same type of uh, idiots you see online who are just trolling and they think it's all fun and games. And, uh, you know, there's really, it's stupid. There's no place for that. But here we are, and um, it, it's a it's it's a dilemma that is going to be very interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I know you know some of these some of these measures like mandatory background checks and and things of that nature, psych evaluations. Uh, a large majority of of the country wants to see those things, you know, put into practice, but we can't get the Senate to actually do what they're supposed to be doing and represent the the citizens. And that comes down to the NRA and the money that they've been paid to, uh, you know, push their agenda, regardless of what the will of the people is. And, um, you know, we just got to keep, keep fighting and, and, we can't always just wait till one of these shootings happens to uh, get all up in arms about it. We we have to stay vocal and stay vigilant, so the 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 representatives do their job and they represent the will of the voters and the citizens of this country. But I I just think the the shooting in Texas the other day really isn't a good 
example of what people on the gun fetish on the on the right think it is. No one would be calling for someone like Jack Wilson not to be armed. He's he's heavily qualified, you know, very trained uh, in in gun ownership and in you know wielding a weapon. He would be perfectly fine to carry a gun. Now, you know, do I think it's a little crazy that like you saw like six or seven other people just pull out their their gun? Right after Jack shot the guy. Yeah, it's definitely, like I said, a little dystopian that that many people are having to carry a gun in church. Um, if you remember, I think uh, it's it's like num- number 11. Uh, they added it on to the commandments. It's like, thou shall not enter a church without being strapped. Um, it's definitely something that Jesus would have called for, for sure. Um, but speaking of Jesus, that takes us right into the next segue of, uh, religious dogmatism and in particularly Islamism and how that ties into right-wing politics. So in, uh, the last few days I've had a couple of collisions with quite a few right-wingers, um, about them telling me that they don't see or think religious fundamentalism and Islamists has anything to do with right-wing extremism or right-wing politics in general. And this is just flat-out wrong. I mean, at the core of conservatism and in particular, like, ex- ex- more towards the extreme end of uh, right-wing views is something called strict father morality. Um, which basically just means that, you know, in order to be moral people, in order to live in a just society, we need a strict um, father figure to be punitive and dole out punishments and and or rewards. And who is the highest father figure there could be? Well, that's God, of course. And God is punitive and he gives rewards if you follow his teachings. And if you don't, you get punished by spending an eternity um, in hell. And this goes for, you know, all the Abrahamic religions. And then, you know, you have the the conservative part of this argument, which is, you know, conservatism is, you know, the conserving the way of life that extends to uh, society from a morality point of view, like the culture war, so to speak, you know, they want to preserve certain things. That's why they're against certain progress. That's why, you know, back in the day they were against, um, you know, getting rid of Jim Crow. That's why they were against women voting. That's why they were against, um, gay marriage and the list goes on and on. They're trying to conserve, the 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 status quo the way of the the way of the society at the moment and i mean that is religions like one of the main tenets of religion is to conserve the religion to conserve the moral norms and values that is divinely ordered from whichever god you worship um and, and you know it's 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 a straight line drawing drawn from point A to point B. 
And then, you know, you, when you start getting into um, more of like the extremist point of views that come along with religion that bleed into, you know, right-wing politics, now we're talking about, you know, um, being able to control certain aspects of your everyday life because you have to live within accordance of the val- values and morals divinely ordered from the God. So that's, you know, being against abortion. Again, like I said, you know, being um, against gay marriage or, an is- you know, then you go to uh, Islamism and jihadists and they are, you know, overlapping is insane. I mean, they, they those are the same things that, that, you know, they're against gay marriage. They were, you know, in certain um, Islamic countries, like Saudi Arabia just recently passed the fact that women can drive, women can vote, you know, that you, you have to be covered uh, head to toe in a burqa in, in some of these places. Um, they're trying to conserve the morality and values that are divinely ordered by their God. And the Islamists are also in agreement with the right-wing extremists in rejecting liberalism, pluralism, freedom. You know, they want nothing to do with these with these aspects of their society. Then if we take it to the furthest extreme right we can go, like with fascism, fascists um, want nothing to do with a liberal democracy, and they want to live in a totalitarian one-party state and Islamists want the same. They just want that one-party state to be Islam. They 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 um, intermingle their religion and their politics so much that their politics is uh, governed by their religious uh, dogmatism and 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 words in the Quran. But they both uh, use different measures. They want the same outcome. Again, they want a one-party totalitarian state. And, uh, you know, you can link this back to even fundamentalist Christians here in America who, like, you know, who really want the same thing. Um, it's funny how much they, they overlap when you talk to someone who is unaware of this, but, you know, they may hate the other side and they don't realize that many of the outcomes that they desire are the same. It's just how they, uh, you know, how they implement those, those measures in order to get those outcomes is, is maybe different. Um, but you know, they're, they're really one in the same. It's a, you know, Islamism and especially jihadism, uh, is a right wing ideology um, it's a far right-wing ideology, like a far-right extremist, but it does have at the same core at its heart, like I said, it, it is conservatism, is conserving their way of life, is conserving the societal norms and values that are divinely ordered and can't be questioned um, from an all-powerful, strict father in God. And I, I'm amazed that um well i'm not amazed it's actually it's par for the course really you know they many of these far-right 
uh, ideologues that I interact with online, they probably can't stand Islam. And so when you point out to them that, you know, it's, it's basically the same strand as you have, um, with some tweaks here and there, they get very triggered by this and they want to all of a sudden scream that, no, 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 is Islamism and Islam is, is a leftist ideology. It's definitely not a leftist ideology. Um, I had, uh, recently come across someone who was telling me that, well, you know, it's leftist because they may have aligned their, their themselves with, uh, leftist governments in the past. And that is a flaccid argument to say the least. I mean, just cause Aerosmith makes a song with run DMC, that doesn't make Aerosmith a rapper, right? Just cause you collaborate with someone, uh, who has a different, lifestyle or different views or just different from you in general doesn't make you them it doesn't make you similar to them you're just a team you're 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 linking up for whatever same goal you have but it doesn't make you the same you desire the same outcome perhaps in whichever uh, endeavor that you're uh, pursuing that's going to wrap up this episode it's really more or less just a, a rant because of some of the some of the interactions I recently have had on uh, social media and particularly Twitter. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. So if you like the podcast and you want to support it, there are a few ways you can do that. You can share it on any one of your social media platforms. You can talk about it on your own podcast. You can rate and review it on all the relevant podcasting apps like Apple, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can reach me at P-I-T-T-E-L-L-I, like it is, at gmail.com.